I'm Taylor, and welcome to the TD Nutrition Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the TD Nutrition Podcast. It's been quite a while since I've done an episode. The last episode was in February, and then things have just gotten busy. My uh, practice has gotten a lot busier. I've taken on a lot more clients, so that's taken more of my time. And so I have had less time to dedicate to making podcast episodes, which I've definitely missed. So I'm happy to be back in the swing of that. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about caffeine. I got this request from a listener, and so I'm really excited to do a whole episode on caffeine. If you've been listening to a lot of the previous episodes, then you know I've touched on it a little bit in the liver episode when I've talked about like caffeine and the impact on the liver, and I've talked about it in the anti-inflammatory episode because caffeine can be inflammatory, and it's come up a few other times as well. So today we're going to go over all the effects that caffeine has on the body. And when I say caffeine, this includes coffee, caffeinated teas, so green tea, black tea, any tea that has caffeine in it, matcha tea, and chocolate, because chocolate does contain caffeine. And a lot of times people will eat dark chocolate because they think it's better for you, but dark chocolate contains a good amount of caffeine. So when I say caffeine, those are all the products that I'm referring to. So in the episode today, we're going to be talking about the effects of caffeine on the body, like I mentioned, caffeine withdrawal, tips for giving up caffeine, and some alternatives to coffee that are better for the body. So caffeine has been around since ancient times from a variety of different plant sources. So, you know, chocolate comes from the cacao bean, coffee comes from a plant. And for hundreds of years all around the world, caffeine was ceremonial It was a special time that you would consume something like coffee or chocolate. It wasn't something that was consumed all the time um, because it was also kind of rare. Nowadays, the relationship that we have with caffeine isn't just ceremonial. We're basically as a society addicted to caffeine. Like sure, there are moments where it's like you're going to grab a cup of coffee with a family member, a loved one or something and, and catch up. Um, And in a way, you could say that that's ceremonial. You're enjoying a cup of coffee with some good company. But we're really addicted to caffeine in all those different forms, teas, chocolate, and coffee. And many of us can't get through a day without caffeine to function. It's become more of a crutch to help get us by. And because people don't feel well, and then they're struggling to focus and concentrate, they have brain fog, fatigue, energy issues, forgetfulness, grogginess, physical discomfort. And then we use caffeine to mask all those everyday symptoms that we're experiencing because it's a stimulant and it kind of makes us numb to all that stuff. And sure, yes, there are people who feel good and still consume caffeine. But more often than not, people who don't feel good are consuming caffeine to survive and get through their day. And caffeine over time can cause symptoms and conditions resulting from burnout of the adrenal glands and a weakened liver. And this also can include things like hair thinning, hair loss, nutrient deficiencies, accelerated aging, weight gain, loss of libido, and more. So those are all the things that caffeine can do to the body. And maybe not after drinking it for a few years, but over time, um, the damage that it does does catch up to us. 
So caffeine has two major impacts on the body. The first is it causes severe chronic dehydration. And the second is it prompts the adrenal glands to pump unnecessary levels of adrenaline into your bloodstream, causing a variety of compromises to the brain, the liver, and the kidneys. In addition to these impacts, there's also a lot of other effects that it has on the body over time, such as hair thinning and loss, liver damage, blood sugar imbalances, headaches, chronic dehydration, insomnia, anxiousness, weight gain, premature aging, adrenal fatigue, depersonalization, and kidney stones, which a couple of those I had just mentioned, but that's the full list of um, the negative effects caffeine has on the body. So now we're gonna get into more detail about the impact that caffeine has on the adrenal glands. Caffeine gives the adrenal glands a sense of fight or flight without the real presence of there being a life circumstance that is actually fight or flight. And you're probably familiar with fight or flight, and this is like a special power that our bodies have. It's an option that our bodies is able to use when we're dealing with stress, loss, or confrontation of some sort. Fight or flight is the release of a complex blend of life-saving hormones from the adrenal glands, and it's used when we're in a time of need and require the ability to think or act fast for survival. So, so when something super traumatic happens and there's a moment where we need like a boost of strength and energy, that's where this blend of hormones comes in. When we consume caffeine, it creates like a boy who cried wolf situation, like if someone pulled a fire alarm and there was no fire. If you're consuming caffeine all day long, you're continuously telling your body that there's a crisis, prompting your adrenals to respond to that crisis all day long. And so this creates a numbness in the body. Then when there's a real crisis, your body's not able to respond appropriately because we're basically immune to the experience of adrenaline hitting our central nervous system. That's why cutting caffeine out is so important because your adrenal glands get super taxed of having to produce hormones, especially adrenaline, when we're drinking caffeine all the time, thinking that there's an, some major thing happening, and then they get burnt out, and having adrenal fatigue is not fun. And if you want to learn more about adrenal fatigue, you can listen to my episode that is all about adrenal fatigue. So the specific blend of adrenaline that fight or flight triggers It can be highly toxic to our bodies because it's really acidic and corrosive to our nervous system and our organs. This kind of adrenaline release, it's not meant to be used every day, let alone multiple times a day. It's meant to be used sparingly, once in a blue moon, when, you know, crazy situations arise, which should, like, realistically would not happen every day or multiple times a day. So over time, this adrenaline blend can slowly scorch the liver as the organ tries to absorb all of that adrenaline in an effort to protect you. And so then the liver just gets burnt out and it starts getting sluggish. And then as I mentioned in the liver episode, the liver has 22,000 functions in the body. You do not want your liver to get sluggish and overworked because then it's gonna have a domino effect on lots of other things in your body. Caffeine addiction forces the adrenal glands to pump a harsh blend of adrenaline through the body for hours and hours And this repeats every single day if you're someone who drinks coffee every single day. Even if it's just you drink coffee one time a day, this still will repeat daily. 
it's really unhealthy and down the road it's going to lead to aging, damaged skin, brain fog, severe focus and concentration problems, fatigue, hair loss, weight gain, all the things I keep mentioning. And you may be thinking, oh, well, I've been drinking coffee for years and I don't have any of these problems. And these symptoms, they may not show up in someone who's in their 20s or 30s, but they tend to start surfacing in your late 30s and 40s. And then you have had all these, you have all these problems and it's like, oh, if only I had known that it was my caffeine consumption that would cause this. So that's why it's important to if you're able to prevent that, and even if it, you're in that stage of life where you're like, shoot, all of this caffeine damage, like what do I do? Cut it out, and there's things you can do to help your body heal. Even if someone is experiencing weight loss or a stable weight while they're drinking caffeine, they can still gain weight from it later once the adrenal glands have been trashed enough or the liver has become stagnant and sluggish enough from the excess adrenaline caused by the caffeine use. So, you know, the weight issue may not be a thing at one point, but once the adrenals and the liver are totally taxed, then that may happen. Caffeine also causes reaction, reactions in the body like blood sugar imbalances, headaches, insomnia, anxiousness, mysterious sadness, depersonalization, chronic dehydration, kidney stones, and adrenal fatigue. And I did mention adrenal fatigue. And so if you're someone who deals with blood sugar issues, you have diabetes or hypoglycemia or even prediabetes, caffeine is probably not something you're going to want to consume because it's just going to make all of that worse. So now we're going to talk more about hair thinning and loss. The number of women experiencing hair thinning and loss at a young age is rapidly increasing. And this is increasing due to an increase in caffeine consumption and caffeine can burn out a specific vital hormone that the adrenal glands produce and this hormone keeps hair follicles alive and acts as the glue that keeps hair on women's heads and for whatever reason it is more specifically related to women than men's hair so as the adrenals are kept in a constant fight or flight mode from caffeine consumption as i just explained this hormone begins to disappear over time, and then it results in weakened hair follicles, hair thinning, and then eventually hair loss. Liver damage. So we're going to talk about caffeine and liver damage. The liver has many jobs, and one of its many, many jobs is to process and convert every single nutrient that enters our body and use it. Caffeine can shock burden, and weaken the liver, which then affects the liver's ability to process and convert all other nutrients properly, which potentially can lead to nutrient deficiencies. So if you're someone who is experiencing nutrient deficiencies and you do drink caffeine, you would definitely want to cut that out. When the body is in a constant fight or flight mode, which is triggered by caffeine, adrenaline is released and it's absorbed right into the liver, which can cause cell damage in the liver and then weaken the liver's immune system. Caffeine also weakens the cell wall of the liver and over time damages that cell wall. Unfortunately, the liver is one of the organs in our body that can repair itself and grow new tissue, so you can repair the damage done to your liver by caffeine. So that is a positive note. So if you have issues potentially with your liver due to caffeine, then you don't have to worry. If you give your body time and you eat the right foods, you can come back from that. Now we're going to talk about caffeine and premature aging. Many people are taught that caffeinated products like matcha tea, coffee, chocolate are healthy. 
and that they're anti-aging and that they can even help someone live longer, which then causes an increase in caffeine consumption. And so you've probably heard different studies that show, oh, if you have one and a half cups of coffee a day, it like will uh, lengthen your life by so much or it helps prevent aging. And take those studies with a grain of salt because the studies that show that caffeine is bad and that caffeine causes aging, there's not as many of those out there, but they're also not as widely talked about because, I mean, a lot of companies that sell caffeine and caffeine products, they have quite a bit of money, so there's no reason for them to fund a study that would say, oh yeah, caffeine's bad, caffeine causes aging, caffeine damages your liver. That's that. There would be no incentive to them because that would hurt their business. So just take, when you hear studies like that, take it with a grain of salt and know that that's not the full picture. Like there is a much bigger picture to that tidbit of information. Because really caffeine products, they accelerate aging and this increased caffeine consumption is why men and women are starting to age earlier in life. One reason caffeine can age the body is long-term chronic dehydration. So coffee, matcha tea, caffeinated teas, and chocolate, they are diuretics, which some people are like, yeah, coffee helps me go to the bathroom, so that's why I drink it, otherwise I can't go. And yeah, it's a diuretic, so it certainly does help you go to the bathroom, but it forces critically needed hydration out of the living cells in our body, which is essentially starving our cells of what they need. So you're not only you know, expelling waste that needs to come out, you're expelling good stuff that your body's trying to use. And because caffeine's a diuretic, it's just taking everything and getting it out of your body. Because caffeine is a toxin and it's a low-grade poison, which then that prompts our body to want to get rid of it. This is why caffeine's a diuretic, because our body's like, oh, this, is, this isn't healthy, this is poisonous, we don't want it here, so let's get it out as quickly as possible. And unfortunately, as the body is trying to get rid of caffeine, this toxin, it throws the toxin out along with tons of important nutrients, trace minerals, phytochemical compounds, critically needed enzymes, and antioxidants. So in our body's attempt to push caffeine out, it has no choice but to push out other important nutrients too. So this chronic dehydration and flushing of important nutrients can lead to someone aging well before their time. If you drink coffee every day, your body is always in a state of chronic dehydration. You need to give your body a break from caffeine to truly rehydrate. And you may think, oh, you know, I drink coffee every day, but I drink a gallon of water a day and I, you know, I do all this stuff. You are still living in a state of chronic dehydration. And I'm gonna talk about my experience with caffeine because I thought I was pretty hydrated, but the thing was is I was definitely chronically dehydrated. And you can see it on someone's body, the way their skin is up against their muscle, especially if someone does have muscle tone. You can typically tell on how tight their skin is around their muscle, because that is a sign of dehydration. And that's why when I did a bikini competition a few years ago, you can't drink a lot of liquid 24 hours before the show, because they want your body dehydrated, because then your muscles kind of pop more. And so if you, if you notice that that's happening with your muscles, know that you are dehydrated and that's not healthy. And so if you drink coffee or say you want to keep coffee in your diet somehow, the healthiest way to do it is give yourself a couple of days in between you having a cup of coffee because then your body has time to rehydrate and it's not constantly having to get rid of all these good nutrients while it's trying to get rid of the caffeine as well. 
Caffeine is also very acidic, which makes your body more susceptible to pathogens. So if you have a virus in your body, a bad bacteria or something going on, the odds of that having a negative impact on your body and you getting sick from that are much, much higher if you drink coffee um, because your body's more susceptible. And also because caffeine is so acidic, therefore it's super inflammatory. So caffeine takes your body out of a state of alkaline and then you have a lot more inflammation going on, which too much inflammation doesn't allow your body to heal from anything that may be going on internally that you're unaware of. Another thing about coffee and specifically, or caffeine, but specifically coffee beans, is once coffee beans are roasted, they're really only good for about a week before they go rancid and get moldy. So I would be willing to bet that a majority of the coffee that you drink is from moldy beans and then drinking mold or consuming food with mold on it that is not healthy for us and then when we consume mold mold elicits an immune response in our body because it detects this bad foreign particle inside of us and it's trying to protect our brain because we don't want mold to get to our brain and and that doesn't happen that often because our immune systems are very good at preventing that but why even have your immune system work hard to work like protect yourself against something like that if you just don't drink coffee? Um, and I, I guess I'll kind of get into a little bit more of my story with caffeine. But I don't drink coffee like I used to. I do drink it maybe once or twice a week. Some weeks I won't have it at all. I don't really miss it. Um, but sometimes on like a Saturday or Sunday, I like to have a cup in the afternoon or something. And so I have a subscription to get beans, even though I'm like, I should just cancel it because I honestly waste most of the beans because by the time I have a cup of coffee, the ones that are opened have been opened for a few weeks and they're bad. So I need to open a fresh bag. And so being super diligent about getting freshly roasted beans and you know knowing that after a week's time, do not make coffee with those beans because it's just gonna be that much worse for your body amongst all the other things that caffeine is doing. So just something to keep in mind. And even coffee places, you can ask them like, you know, how recently were their beans roasted that they're using? Starbucks is known to have rancid beans. So I would try to avoid Starbucks as much as possible if if you do go out and buy your coffee somewhere, because that's just, again, it's going to make it that much worse. So be aware about how old the beans are that you're using to make your coffee. Let's talk about caffeine withdrawal. Caffeine is an addictive substance, therefore the process of withdrawing from caffeine can be difficult and this is often a deterrent for people to give up caffeine because that process is tough and and it is tough. Neurons in the brain become saturated with caffeine and adrenaline from the constant fight or flight response in the body and when that caffeine and adrenaline leave the neurons, there's there's a shock to the brain and an emotional crash occurs. When people use caffeinated drinks to help make their decisions, their brain and its neurons stop doing the work for themselves, making them lazy and dependent on the caffeine. So when caffeine is taken away, neurons, neurotransmitters, and electrical impulses in the brain need to fire up their engine again and go from automatic back to manual. 
And this change and withdrawal from caffeine can cause a misfire in the brain and potentially trigger a migraine and other symptoms. So you're not really getting a migraine. I mean, you're getting a migraine because you haven't had coffee, but you're not getting it because your body's saying, hey, we need the coffee. You're getting it because it's like your body's in shock. It also, when you don't have coffee, your body realizes how dehydrated it actually is because when you constantly drink coffee, you are numb to the fact that you're actually dehydrated. So when you go more than 24 hours without your coffee, your body realizes, oh no, we're dehydrated. And then your brain's starting to, all the neurons and stuff, they have to work manually again instead of using the coffee as a stimulant to make them fire and do what they need to do. Addictive chemical compounds cause dependency in the emotional center of the brain. Feel-good substances like coffee, caffeinated teas, and chocolate can trigger an emotional connection to that caffeine in the emotional center of the brain, which makes it even harder to let it go. So this emotional connection can lead to heightened emotions when the substance is taken away. So, you know, your body, your brain does feel good when you drink coffee or have chocolate or drink matcha tea or something like that. So to take that away is hard because there is an emotional component because it's like, oh, but I feel good when I drink coffee. I feel this way. I'm more productive when I drink coffee. But you can still be productive without coffee. Um, A lot of times we think it's not possible, but it is. So here are some tips for giving up caffeine. If you want to give up your caffeine dependency, here are some things that can make it a little easier. So first, you're going to want to work on restoring neurotransmitters, and this is going to be probably one of the most important things, and this is best done with electrolytes. Incorporating 60 ounces of coconut water a day for one week after cutting out coffee can benefit the brain and hydrate the body during caffeine withdrawal. And you want to make sure the coconut water is not pink coconut water because pink coconut water means it has oxidized. Celery juice is another great Um, source of electrolytes to do this with. And celery juice is the only complete electrolyte on the planet. And so this would be beneficial to incorporate and help hydrate and restore the neurotransmitters as well, help bring back neurons and get you off caffeine. So you could do a combination of coconut water and celery juice. Coconut water is a complete electrolyte, but the concentration of complete electrolytes and celery juice is so superior that you don't have to drink as much of it to get a lot versus coconut water. You have to drink a lot more. And during caffeine withdrawal, it would be um, best to consume 16 to 32 ounces of celery juice twice a day for one week. So 32 ounces of celery juice, 60 ounces of coconut water, and that will help. That will help the headaches and some of those withdrawal symptoms that you'll get from not having your coffee. Trace minerals are the glue that allows communication between different centers of the brain, which they become depleted over time from caffeine consumption. So consuming more trace minerals will help um, in the healing process during your caffeine withdrawal. So if you're wondering what trace minerals are, here's some great sources of trace minerals. You got leafy greens. So pretty much any leafy green, you can choose which one you enjoy the most. Coconut water has trace minerals. Celery juice has trace minerals. Some more of those too. And then raw garlic has trace minerals. You also would want to work on refilling glucose depleted glycogen storage in the liver. So the liver stores glucose as glycogen so that when we have times of not eating, it can pull that glycogen out, convert it to glucose and put it in our bloodstream. So you would wanna restore that because the adrenaline that gets pumped into the body, 
burns all that out of the liver. So you'd want to work on getting more good quality glucose into your diet when you're getting off caffeine. And this also helps to restore neurons and electrical pulses in the brain. Uh, some great options of good glucose during this time would be mangoes and, and really any fresh fruit, but mangoes specifically because they help to restore deplete, depleted neurotransmitters in the brain. And mango is great at helping us fall asleep at night, having some mango for a dessert because it, it helps to restore neurotransmitters that are specifically um, related to sleep and telling our body to go to sleep. Um, but mangoes are great for all neurotransmitters. So when you're trying to restore glucose, think a lot of mango. And then lastly, consuming 32 ounces of preferably lemon water a few times a day also helps for hydration because it just adds a little bit more nutrients to plain water. Lemon water is also, has the nutrients, but it it adds life to water um, because you're taking a fresh fruit and adding it to water that has been sitting in a water bottle or whatnot for, for however long. So some great alternatives to coffee. And I know you're probably thinking, well, there is no alternative to coffee. So you wouldn't do decaf because it's still there is still caffeine in there and it's you're still going to have effects, basically the same effects. So I wouldn't say caffeine is a good alternative um, to coffee. Um, but obviously for caffeinated teas, any tea that is caffeine free is a great alternative to caffeine free teas or to caffeinated teas, excuse me. Um, and then as far as like alternatives to chocolate, there really isn't. So you just have to find some other sweet thing that you enjoy instead of chocolate. But as far as coffee tasting alternatives, the first is chaga, which chaga usually is kind of made into a tea. Um, but chaga, you can brew it with hot water and make it into a latte using coconut milk or almond milk or something like that. You can sweeten it with some maple syrup and you can still make it a really yummy thing to drink as if it's your coffee. And some of the benefits that chaga has is it helps to strengthen red blood cells and bone marrow. It balances out blood platelets and staves off cytokine storms, which cytokine storms are results of the body overreacting to a pathogen or toxin that may be in the body. And this type of reaction occurs because the immune system is racing to basically put out a fire. And cytokine storms can result in blood vessels expanding, which could lead to hemorrhaging, hives, rashes, and a fever. So chaga is great for that. Chaga is one of the most medicinal tools and um, overall tonics of this time. The phytochemicals in chaga are wonderful for helping with cancer prevention, regulating blood sugar, boosting the adrenals, while regulating the rest of the endocrine system, which the endocrine system is the system of our body that regulates all of our hormones, estrogen, testosterone, all of that stuff. Chaga also helps to break down and dissolve um, any kidney stones in the body. It helps to destroy unproductive fungus and um, un unproductive fungus in the intestinal tract. And mushroom, mushrooms are one of the best fighters of bad fungus in the body that we have. Sometimes um, they may, you know, people may say don't eat certain mushrooms because they are a fungus, but it is kind of ironic that there are certain ones that are super healthy for us and they help to fight fungus in the body. The next alternative to coffee is chicory root. Chicory is a nutrient-rich plant whose flowers, green leaves, and roots have been used for thousands of years to help numerous health conditions like heartburn, jaundice, digestive disorders, liver disease, neurological disorders, 
and rheumatic conditions like gout. Roasted chicory root, it does smell and taste like coffee, but it has none of the harmful effects that caffeine has, and it has all these great health benefits, like helping to alkalize the stomach, it aids digestion. Chicory root also contains antioxidants and has anti-inflammatory properties, which is beneficial for the immune system and for the nervous system. And it's also well known to help the help purify the liver in cleansing and um, helps the body reset and prevents helps prevent the body from getting gallstones, kidney stones, and even liver stones. So chicory, because it tastes kind of like coffee, to me that's the best alternative because it still has some coffee flavor. Chaga is a very acquired taste. I'm not a huge fan of it, but every once in a while I'll have it. But chicory is much closer to coffee and that kind of when I when I feel like I want it without the caffeine, um, I definitely recommend chicory root. Um, and chicory also provides a soluble soluble fiber fiber known as inulin, which can help to control blood sugar levels as well as feed good digestive flora in the intestines, which can prevent constipation and prevent colon cancer. So that's kind of cool. Another thing you can do as an alternative to coffee is um, you can ground grind up some date seeds and brew it just like coffee grounds and um, you could do the same. I haven't personally tried that, but I have read that that's um, an alternative. And the thing is, you can even grind up date seeds and use it as a flour to bake or something like that, which is pretty cool. So I'm going to share a little bit of my history with caffeine. So I was a coffee drinker. Um, that was my caffeine of choice. And I started drinking coffee when I was in college, mostly to help me go to the bathroom because I would not have regular bowel movements. And a lot of that was because I was still struggling with an eating disorder and I wouldn't eat very much on a day-to-day basis. So there was, there was nothing for me to go to the bathroom. Um, so I would drink coffee to have regular bowel movements. And that was my introduction to coffee. And then... Um, by my senior year of college, I kind of got into pre-workout to help me work out. Um, I felt like I was trying to pick the cleanest pre-workout possible, and I was taking the Vega Sport pre-workout, which, I mean, as far as like bad chemicals in it, it definitely had less, but it still had caffeine, so it was still bad, and, and they used coconut sugar to sweeten it which coconut sugar is a healthy sweetener, and I should have just mixed some coconut sugar and some water and drank that before working out. It would have been much better for me. Um, and so that's when I, I started pre-workout, and then I was really big into Soul Cycle at that time, and I usually was doing like two days for workouts, so I would do like weight training in the morning and Soul Cycle in the evenings, and I would drink a Celsius to go to Soul Cycle. So then here I'm having morning coffee, pre-workout, and Celsius. And then at some point after college, I got really into cold brew coffee, um, definitely addicted. So I was having morning coffee, pre-workout, afternoon I was having a cold brew coffee, and then I was having Celsius in the evening. So I was like having basically caffeine four times a day in pretty high doses. Um, And I didn't think I was addicted at the time. Like I didn't, you know, I was doing it, drinking it because I enjoyed it. I didn't felt like I needed it as a crutch. And sometimes, you know, we don't necessarily need it as a crutch, but we enjoy it and then we kind of unknowingly are addicted to it. And especially like we get addicted to the stimulant aspect of caffeine, um, which I definitely was. And so a few, once I got diagnosed with Lyme disease, I kind of scaled back um, like the Celsius because I knew, you know, no energy drink is good for you. 
And I was also in my uh, master's program at the same time I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. So it was like, all right, I need to start, you know, walking the walk as far as caffeine goes. And then I started celery juicing and basically I stopped craving my morning coffee. I was brewing it and I would drink a little bit and I wouldn't finish it. So I finally was like, why am I making this? I'm wasting it. it it's There's no point. So I kind of phased out my morning coffee, um, not forcefully. It just, it kind of happened. I didn't want it anymore. I would drink celery juice every morning and that was kind of enough to get me going. And, and now I actually have breakfast every morning, which is something I never did. Coffee was always my breakfast. And, and now I, I have breakfast. My body wants breakfast. Um, and so I was still doing pre-workout um, before working out. I was doing the Vegas. So I still kind of thought I was being healthier about it. And then when COVID hit, I was like, I'm going to use this opportunity, this time as an opportunity to get rid of my pre-workout. And it was hard. And I think that's when I realized that my body was dependent on the caffeine because I was using it as a motivator to get me to work out. Like I wanted to work out, but as far as like the energy and the push, that was coming from the pre-workout for sure. And so I, for months, would work out and I'd be yawning, I'd be so tired and just a little out of it because I was tired, but I was like, I gotta get through this. My runs were so slow. My mile time was so much slower, not on the pre-workout. And I was frustrated because I get very competitive with myself and I always try to top my personal times and things like that. So the fact that I was like regressing was super annoying. And I was just like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this. Pre-workout might have to be the one bad thing that I do. And, and I was like, no, I'm determined to cut this out because I eventually I can. And, and eventually I did. I, I don't have pre-workout anymore to work out. I have my breakfast, which is usually a fruit-based breakfast, and I'm honestly energized enough to go work out. And now I actually have motivation within myself. I'm not getting it from a stimulant, which was a much better feeling, I, I can say. So um, if you take pre-workout, definitely consider giving it up because there's other things you can do instead that are so much better for your body. And the last source of caffeine that I was having after I kicked the pre-workout was I was having coffee in the afternoon. Um, so I was definitely like, a lot of my clients will hear me say this, the morning is like the sacred time of your day. You know, there's things you do not want to put in your body in the morning if you can help it. And so the fact that I gave up coffee in the morning and the pre-workout, I was no longer having caffeine in the morning, which was great. And that's so much better on your liver and your adrenals and all obviously all these other reasons why that I explained in today's episode. So the last what standing was my afternoon coffee and I did a cup like I decided I wanted to do like a cleanse and just not have it for like 10 days and I definitely felt hungover those first few days. I had the worst headache and I really didn't think I was going to have a headache because by this point I was like, oh, the only coffee I'm having is in the afternoon. I'm sure it won't even phase me that I'm cutting it out. But the fact that I still had some caffeine in my diet, I definitely had a withdrawal and it was it was not fun. So I definitely feel for anyone who's like wanting to give up coffee but doesn't want to go through the whole withdrawal thing. But it's it's definitely worth it because now I have coffee a couple of times a week. Some weeks I don't have it at all, but now it's something special. It's something ceremonial, kind of like in ancient times. Like it's not something I rely on. And I typically try to save it for a Saturday or a Sunday when I can sit and enjoy it. And I'm not drinking it because I need it to help me get through the last few hours of my day. I'm drinking it because, you know, it's a weekend, it's quiet, or it's a nice day outside and I want to sit outside with my coffee. 
And, and for me, drinking coffee, I would always drink a coffee with my grandmother when I would go visit her. And even when she got sick with cancer, she wouldn't drink coffee because it didn't sound good, but she wanted to hold her latte and smell the coffee. And I'd sit there and I'd have a coffee with her. So I do have a, a, you know, a sentimental aspect attached to coffee, but I don't have to drink it every day to still have that feeling. And, and even doing some of these alternatives still kind of has that same practice that coffee gives you, right? We get up in the morning, we brew a cup of coffee and you can get up in the morning and brew a cup of chicory root coffee and you can get ground chicory root and still brew it in your coffee maker. And you know, your body won't really know the difference after a while. You'll still be doing those same action steps that you do in the morning that you would do for making a cup of coffee. It's just, there's no caffeine in the chicory root. So it's definitely possible to kick caffeine. And I, I definitely recommend it, especially if you're dealing with a chronic illness, because it's just going to hold you back from feeling better. And there were a few things that definitely took my Lyme disease from, okay, I'm better, but it's not remission to being in remission. And I do think one of that was pulling caffeine out of my diet completely. So if you're contemplating it and you're not sure, like this is your sign, cut coffee out completely and make it something that you have once in a great while and make it a special thing. So to wrap everything up, caffeine feels good. It does get us this get up and go motivation, but we do end up paying the price for relying on caffeine to do that. And when something has that much control over our lives, it's not about giving you pleasure anymore. It's now something that you are reliant on to function. And experiencing life without reliance on a stimulant is a positive direction that can take you to a physical and even a little spiritual elevation because again, there's an emotional component when you're addicted to a stimulant. And so don't let caffeine be the factor that that holds you back. And now, again, like caffeine doesn't have control over my life and I don't like rely on caffeine to give me pleasure or happiness. Like, oh, caffeine is a treat that I get sometimes, but I don't need it to be happy or to get through my day. Like I, you know, I get a good night's sleep, I eat well. And that helps me get through my day so much more than caffeine does. And eating well and getting sleep is the best best anti-aging re- remedy there is out there. Caffeine is is not it. So, um, so yeah, I challenge you to cut caffeine out for a period of time and just see what it feels like to have your own drive and motivation without it coming from a stimulant. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you ever want guidance one-on-one, whether you have a chronic illness, an autoimmune issue, or you know you just maybe want some support to cut caffeine out of your diet, um, I'd love to work with you, and send me an email at tdnutritioncoaching at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening.